morning once again. Uh, with some of you, I heard you say that was not long enough to say hello to my neighbor. I heard you. They went, yeah, I heard someone going, oh, I was saying hello to my neighbor. All right. Well, hey, well, good morning. I, I tell you what, I'm excited uh, about sharing this word today on Zechariah's song. I'm excited about where we're going. I wrote a lot of things down, so buckle in for a three-hour tour of... No, I'm, I'm kidding. Just two hours. But listen, now let me say this before we kick off, and I'm going to say it again later but uh, at the end, but I want to tell you how cool this is today. This is our Block Party Sunday. Okay. I hear you. Uh, there is a lot of cool stuff that goes on, and, and I really wanted, and I felt like was, I need to emphasize a little bit today, just quickly before we jump into God's Word, is why we have this block party. It's such an amazing opportunity for all of us as a church body to invite our community into our church. They may not be coming into here, it's maybe not on a Sunday morning, but they're coming onto our church grounds, and we're inviting and we're asking, you know, and so here's what I'm asking for you, right? One, many of you will, I pray, many of you will help me today when we got to set up, okay? I'm praying that some of you will, will sign up for that or maybe help me, and, and some of you will stick around and help us tear down. Uh, those are great things, and we have a lot of people that help with that. But here's one thing you can help me with. Here's one thing that you can do uh, for us as a church is that there are going to be people, like I said, out there walking around, seeing the costumes and the snow machine and the ice slide and the food trucks and the Christmas music. Pastor Key is going to dress up like Burl Ives, and he is going to sing Christmas carols. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And it's so cool. And what you, we have in this opportunity that we can do as a church is go and have a conversation with somebody you don't know. Go have a conversation with somebody that maybe, I know it's very easy for us to kind of get together and stand together and, hey, we're going to huddle together with our friends and we're just going to enjoy the moment and the time. With, that's great. Do that. But do me a favor. Find somebody that maybe you don't know and just go, hi, I'm so-and-so. I go to church here. Right? Can I get an amen? Okay, that's all. So that's my little plea on that. It's going to be a fun day. I'm so excited. I was last night hanging lights 45 feet up in the air, maybe even 60. Evangelistically speaking, it was probably 100. And so it's going to look so cool out there. I'm excited for it, all right? So well, let's jump in. I want to jump into this word. I want to give you this today. I'm excited about where this is going. And uh, Pastor Key, last week, he, he gave us Mary's song. We, he talked about how he loves to listen to Mariah Carey uh, and the Mariah Carey songs, which is awesome. I, I enjoy those as well. But I'm like old school. Uh, I like um, Grandma Got Ran Over by a... Okay, so y'all know this one, all right? That's a classic Christmas song right there, right? The classic Christmas song. All I want for Christmas is my... See, I know those songs, okay? Uh, my favorite Christmas mu movie is Die Hard. Um, <laughs> I know there's a debate, right? There's like, is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? We will not be showing that next year. We're still showing Elf. So... Uh, <laughs> But here's one that I did not know was a Christmas song, right? And I was just, you know, researching Christmas, old Christmas songs. And I came across this one. And I know many of you are going to go, oh, yeah, 
But I had no clue this was a Christmas song. Because some of these Christmas songs, when you break them down and you start really looking at the lyrics, it gets weird. You go, oh, that's cute. Yay. You know, but then you go, we're doing what with this? This one is, oh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> what? Who knows that song? I'm just curious. Wow. Here's something I did not know. I did not know this was a song. And I looked it up. And I seen this little creepy girl singing about getting a hippopotamus for Christmas. And some of the lyrics in this thing was, my mom says no because it will eat me alive. But I say I want one anyway. What's wrong with this child? And it's, here's what's weird about that song. And I'm not going to do it because it'll be stuck in your head the entire day. That tune gets locked in your head, doesn't it? And it will not leave. Some of you right now are going, yeah, thanks. Here's one that really gets me, all right? This is one, it's a classic Christmas song, but it's got some weirdness in it. And it starts out with, and you'll know the song, sleigh bells are ringing. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking. Man, that's beautiful. See, that's beautiful right there. You go, wow, that's, that's a Christmas song. But then it starts to get weird. He says, gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is a new bird. What? Why is the bluebird leaving? Who is this new bird you're talking about? He goes, as we, it sings love songs as we go along, walking in a wonderland. Okay, I can get past that. That's not too bad. But then it gets even weirder when it says, in the meadow, we can build a snowman. Oh, that's cute. We're going to build a snowman. That is fantastic. And then it says, then pretend it's Parson Brown. And if you don't know who Parson Brown is, you're going, why are these little kids making statues of snowmen and then naming them Parson Brown? And then the snowman talks back and says, hey, you guys married? What? Why is, the, why is this snowman now <clears throat> talking to children about being married? Then, and a, a parson is a preacher that would go town to town marrying people. I had to look it up. So now the, the, <laughs> they're pretending that this snowman is going to marry them. Stay with me. Are you married? We'll say. No man. No man. <laughs> but, but you can do the job when you're in town. It would have to be during the winter, I'm guessing. Thank you for those who got that one. Here's, here's the next one, the last thing here. So I thought, okay, that's different. But here's the next one. In the plains that were made walking in the wonderland, it goes on. It says, in the meadow now, we can build a snowman. So if you kind of listen to this, okay, they're going to build another one. And here's what they're going to pretend it is. A circus clown. What? What kids want a circus clown as a, and then it says, we'll have lots of fun with this snowman until other kids come and knock him down. <laughs> Apparently, this man who wrote this song was bullied, Okay. He was bullied as a child, but no. So Christmas songs are, are neat, and Christmas songs are great, and there, there's so many different ones, and there's some, we just sang some, and we'll sing some later, and there's awesome. But the song that we're going to look at today, see, we looked at one last week with Mary's song. There's this song today we're going to look at, Zachariah's song, comes from an experience of waiting. This song that we're going to look at today is a whole different song, and I say this all the time. There's a story behind this song, and if you looked at most songs, and if you research these songs, there are stories behind the songs. You agree with that? 
There's an incredible Christian songs that are written because of a story that somebody had. And today, this story that we see, that we have to understand Zechariah's story. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at his story. See, we have to understand Zechariah's story until we, we can't understand Zechariah's song until we understand Zechariah's story. Y'all with me? So we're going to go through his story. But so let me start with this, though, as we talk about waiting. How many of you guys are really good at waiting? Oh, yeah? Well, you guys are way better than me. Let me, take it, let me just ask you a couple questions. All right? How well do you wait in traffic? Let me ask you this. How about a red light? I just want to get a hand. I'm going to ask you actually to reveal yourself in this moment. How many of you, you sit at the light, the light turns green, there's one car in front of you, and you wait one second before you hit the horn? Just curious on the who one second people are, okay? So quick, Mike's like, eh, let's go. You're, that's you, okay? Anybody else is going to be honest. Okay. How many right when it turns green, you don't even wait until nah, the guy's like, it's just turned green. That happened to me the other day. I'm sitting there, the light turned green. The guy behind me goes, go. I go, okay. He was in a much more, more of a hurry than I was. Uh, two seconds. Then you give him a little, boop, boop, hey, man. Okay. Two, three seconds. Four seconds. 30 seconds. How many of you, you don't honk at all? You'll just sit there through the entire light and go, And then the light would turn red again. You're like, maybe the next one. <laughs> Who is that? I'm just curious. Of course, of course, y'all. And of course, my wife. Yes, she is the one. I've literally reached over while she's driving and went, meh. <laughs> oh, she hates it. She hates it when I grab the steering wheel and go, we need to be in this lane. <laughs> That's how it works in my house. In the grocery store, how many of you stand there and you're in that 15 items or less aisle, and you start counting other people's <laughs> groceries. Who does it? I'm curious. All right, I see who you are. I want to know what kind of people I'm dealing with today, because I know I've seen you there. And then have you ever been behind this guy or this person? And they go into their bag, and you're waiting, you're looking, and you're like, come on, what are you doing? And they, and, they, and they pull out the checkbook, and you're like, who uses checks? I haven't seen checks until 1982. I have to know. I'm taking the glasses off for this one. You notice how I did that? Just... Who still uses checks at the grocery store? Think, God, oh, God bless you. Okay. So now we know who not to stand behind in the grocery store line. <laughs> I want to give you this quote by Simone, I almost said Simone Garza. Simone Garza said this to me once. No, Simone Weil is a French writer, wrote this. Waiting patiently is the foundation of the spiritual life. Waiting patiently is the foundation of the spiritual life. Life. We're going to look at a song today from a man who was waiting. Not only was he waiting for something we'll get to in a moment, but he was also waiting for the Messiah to come. And so read this song with me. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up? Turn to chapter 1 of Luke. So Luke chapter 1, and we're going to bounce around in that thing, so just stay in 1. But I'm going to, kind of like some movies do, we're going to go to the end. I'm going to give you the end, and then I'm going to go back in the time, and we're going to walk through this man's story so we can understand Zachariah's song by knowing his what? His story. So read this along with me. 
His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied it. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and he has redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, verse 74 says, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to, be enable, uh, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness, righteousness before him in all days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, Verse 77 says, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. We're going to find out what that means in, in a moment. And that was an actual song. So let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I pray as we, we dive into this text today, as we dive into your word today, Lord, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us in this room. God, I pray that you will move, your spirit will move in our hearts from the youngest to the oldest in this place. Move in our hearts this morning as we open and dive in to your word this morning. So lead, guide, and direct us, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. See, Zechariah, I don't know who that is, but Zechariah, his song actually sounds a lot like Mary's song, if you really think about it. And you look at it, it's got kind of very similar tones to it. It's got a similar theme to it, a, a similar rhyme to it. Um, cha the Luke chapter 1 is kind of like a musical, if you think about it. I mean, Luke is opening this gospel and opening this story to us by with songs. It's jumping straight into a musical here. We got Hamilton going on. I, 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 and I imagine there was probably a very similar flow of cadence also between Mary's song and Zechariah's song. And it flows, though, from a completely different place. Here's what I really want us to capture in this. These two songs flow from a completely different place. See, Gabriel will, came to Mary. We saw that last week. He came to Mary where she had her future ahead of her. She was a 14, 15-year-old girl when he showed up and talked to her. And Zechariah was visited by the same angel, and this man's got one foot in the grave. A little bit different, isn't it? Kind of a different story happening here. One, the girl has got her life ahead of her. One right now is here's a woman who is completely and totally 14, 15 years old. This angel appears to her. And now here's a completely different story with Gabriel, but with the same context, but a different story. Look at this. God comes to both. And that's what's important here. God came to both of them, and the important thing to remember is in this season of Christmas, in this season of Advent, God visited a teenager, and he visited the senior citizen. He visited both, and he can visit you today. God does not discriminate. 
on age. If you're still breathing, God can come to you. Do you believe that this morning? If you're still breathing, God can speak to you. He can come to you. He can meet with you where you are right here in this place today. It doesn't matter what age you are. See, this song is God doing for humanity is this. He's now talking about the coming of the Messiah. He's coming to us in our pain. He's coming to us in our suffering. Not just checking in on us. Not just saying, hey, how are you doing? He's helping us and he's healing us. That's what we have to see here. So no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter who you are, no matter the background you came from, no matter the situation you're living in, no matter the things that you've done that you know you've said before, and I know there's somebody in this room, you've said this before, well, I did this or I did that. Will God still forgive me? Will God still accept me? Will God still speak to me because of the things things that I've done, and I'm here to tell you, yes, he will. You got to open your heart. You got to open your heart to hear him. He will speak to you. See, the Bible is full of stories like this one, like this song here, full of stories of people waiting. We see it in Genesis 12 with Abraham and Sarah. We see a couple who is waiting. Different names, same story. I want you to think about this for a second. We all have different names in here in this room, but if we got to know each other, I guarantee you that you would find that we have very similar stories. Would you agree with that? If we get to know each other and we start talking with each other, we would find out we have very similar problems. That's why it's so important for us to fellowship, why life groups are so important in this church. Why we're constantly, Pastor Key and myself and anybody of our whole church is always saying, get in a life group. Get in a place where you can do life with one another. Get into a place where you can really just get to know one another. Because when you get to know one another, you'll realize you, we all have similar problems. So let's go back in time. If you got your Bibles, turn over to, back to about verse 5 and 6 and right in that area. And I'm going to, let's walk through his story. So we learned that Zechariah is a priest. Uh, he's the priest in Jerusalem who is married to the daughter of a priest. This is a very uh, uh, wonderful thing. It is considered actually uh, rare that that would even happen. But it's really cool that there's a priest here who's marrying the daughter of a priest. And now, here's why. She can now understand the demands of a priesthood. She can understand the demands and what it means to be the wife of, of a priest. It's why I see very rarely, actually, sometimes, and sometimes I do see it, and we see it right here with our own uh, uh, lead pastor, married a preacher's daughter. I did not. She has no idea what she got herself into. Well, she does now. We've been married a long time. But, but it, this is a really neat thing. So she gets it. She understands it. So imagine on this wedding day, this is what I imagine. This, here's the wedding day that God is, and people I'm sure say, God is going to bless you with many families. Because it, on paper, on, on, on just looking this on paper, human perspective, <laughs> this couple was a couple that probably would have the Messiah, if you thought about it, if you looked at it on paper. It would probably be a different story here. And I'm sure because of who they were, because every Jewish bride married to have a large family because people would say they were taught this way, that maybe you would be the one who would carry the Messiah. Because it was prophesied in the Old Testament. 
So they married that. Every Jewish husband would marry with the theological hope of maybe my wife would be the one to carry the hero that's coming to bring salvation to the world. Look what it even says in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. It says, both of them were righteous in God, in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands, decrees, blamelessly. This was their life. And this is, I think, why Luke shocks the reader with the next verse. This is why I believe this next verse that we kind of look at is kind of shocking to the reader. Because if you're reading this, you're going, man, this guy's a high priest. He's, a, he's, he's married to a priest. I'm not high priest, I'm just a priest. He's married now to, and I'm sure, I mean, it was just, it was obvious. And then he shocks us with this verse in verse 7. Look at this. He says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. It states straight up the fact. Here's who they are, boom. But they had no child because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. There's another version of that. So man, I'm sure there were so many prayers. I'm sure there were so many tears. I'm sure there were so many unanswered questions in this moment of these people who were coming. And that's usually how it works. See, because childless parents, they felt very um, deficient. They didn't feel very good. They felt like they maybe were even passed over by God. And I'm sure that that's what happened to them. You know, know, if you've ever longed for something with your heart, then you understand the kind of self-examination that was probably happening with them. You probably understood the type of things that they were going through and saying to themselves, is it us? Did we do something? Did we not serve him right? Did we not do the right thing for him? Did we just step into something? Do we have have unconfessed sin? What is it? Not knowing that God had a plan. Not knowing he had something already planned for them and it was coming. Because you know how that rolls, right? And how that comes and how despair starts to kick in and, 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 and all that, it starts to just, you know, resolves to sorrow and sorrow to despair. And then eventually despair into resolve of just, we're just not going to have a child. It's just not going to happen. We get that. We understand that. We're done with that. And there's some irony in this name. I think this is very interesting. There's irony in his name. Zachariah's name actually means this. God remembers. Think about that for a second. Let that sit in just for a second. God remembers. His name was not matching his life. And I'm sure he felt that. What happens when your name means God remembers and you feel like God forgot about you? That's tough. There's meaning in names. The name uh, Richard or Ricky or Key <laughs> means powerful leader. It's pretty cool. The name Casey means I was in a band called the Sunshine Band. It has no meaning. I have no idea <laughs> what my parents were hippies and they were. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, but so there you go. You know, so names have meaning. Well, some names have meaning. Apparently not mine. But as we see in verse 8 and 9, God is still moving. God is still doing some things in Zechariah's life. Zechariah is now a card-carrying AARP member. 
He is, for some of you that got that one, that's for the older crowd. <laughs> when they sent that to my house, I actually burned it. <laughs> I absolutely did. I took it to a torch. I said, nope, not today. You won't. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> Burn that AOP card. But in a couple of years, I'll get it back. So, so in this point right now, here's Zachari- Zachariah's life. Old, he's let it go. I'm sure they still think about it, but he knows I'm past that time now. It's over. He probably would be drawing Social Security if that was a thing. He would have retired by now, but priests don't do that. So, you know, he's totally caught off guard about what's happening next. So here's what happens. He draws the temple duty. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. I mean, this is not something that every priest gets. There's a lot of priests, and they actually cast lots. It's kind of like of us buying a lottery ticket or having a raffle, and you have your raffle ticket, and I'm sure some, okay, just work with me on this one, how my mind works. This is not how it happened, but this is how I see it, right? All the priests were there, and like, who gets to go burn incense? Who gets to go in the holies of holies? Who gets to go in the temple? And they all have their little, you know, little cards, and a guy goes, all right, number 36, if you have 36, and, and everybody goes, oh, I've still got 36. You know, those numbers are really long. So, you know, three, six, we're still in it. Four, seven, two, one. And some people start sitting, you know, and it goes all the way down to his number. Boom. He gets to be the guy. What a, what a cool thing. It is actually said that, you know, for him to go in there and do that, that Jewish tradition describes a priest who gets to offer the incense as rich and holy for the rest of his life. This is something he's been trained for. This is something he's been ready for. This is something he is saying, I am excited about this one. And then all of a sudden, Angel Gabriel appears. Can you see this? Picture this old man standing in this room. Just excited, pumped up. And all of a sudden, I don't know how he appeared. I, you know, it doesn't necessarily say, it just says he appeared there. I don't know if he came through the wall. That would be kind of frightening. If he floated down, you know, or beamed up or just went, I don't know. But I know this. Look at the scripture. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Did you know that the, the word fear is in the Bible 365 times? And you know just about every single time an angel appeared or Jesus appeared walking on water or something in an you know, unusual place that is actually said, is greeted with, hey, don't be afraid. I think that's very interesting in this. Hey, 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 don't be afraid. I know I'm here late at night sometimes and very early in the mornings when it's still dark. And I, I walk through the hallways upstairs, you know. I got here at 6.30 this morning, and I, I'm the only one here. I'm turning on lights. It's dark. I'm kind of walking through the hallway. And I was thinking about this, you know, because I know I'm talking about it. And I go, if the angel appears to me right now, he better say, don't be afraid. Because I'm going to lose my mind, okay? Or just some guy that wandered off the streets and just slept here that night. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I would really be messed up if some guy just kind of peeped in here and went, hey, I'm an angel. I'm Gabriel. I'm like, How'd you get in here? You know. But he says, do not be afraid. I love this part right here. Angel drops in. He's in the holiest of holies. He is in the temple. He's got temple duty. Only the high priest gets to go even closer to God than he. But so, I mean, he's right there, though. You know, right? This, he, he is at the veil behind which the holy of holies is at. So, I mean, he's right in the mix of this. 
And all of a sudden, can you imagine this? He says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are called, and, and you are to call him John. Verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you and will rejoice, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Gabriel goes on to tell Zechariah that this son would go before him, him, the capital H-I-M here, before Jesus. He's going to go before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready for the Lord and prepare the people is what he says in verse 17. Zechariah's son was the long foretold forerunner to the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 5, it says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So this was prophesied. He knew this prophecy, and he knew this was happening right now. Could you imagine this? That he, you were just told that your son is going to now be the son of the one, I mean, who's going to lead the way for the Messiah. Isn't that cool? What a neat concept this is. What a neat deal this is. And, and so he goes on to tell him. And he, this is interesting what happens with Zechariah here. I love this part here. It says, well, Zechariah refused, basically point blank. He kind of, in his own words, says this, senior adults don't have babies. I, I don't believe you. This is a little bit weird. And it implies that he basically doesn't believe without a sign. He's like, you, you, you just gonna, I, 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 man, this is not real. This can't be happening. This is not right. And then all of a sudden, here's, he goes, here's Gabriel. Here's your son. Thank you. And from that moment forward, for the next nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Zachariah didn't speak another word. He was completely speechless. I believe I just heard some women in here saying, please, get, if, Lord, could you send Gabriel to my home? I did have a lady one time come up to me and says, I mean, a guy come up to me and says, hey, apparently my wife is uh, pregnant because she has not heard me for a long time. Oh, come on, that's a good one. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's a good one right there. All right, next time Zachariah was to speak is when he was going to bust out in this song. Look at, look at, uh, turn over with me. I'm going to look over here at 57. I, I wasn't going to do this, but I want to go over here. Look at verse 57 right here. It says, it was time for Elizabeth to have her son. So he's been mute now for a very long time. He's been waiting for this for a very long time to be the temple, to, to, to have a child. And so when it was time, and now he's mute. He hasn't spoken. He hasn't had to set a word. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and the relatives heard uh, the Lord, had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, he came, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. And I look, look at this part right here. But his mother spoke up because she got the text and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, wait a minute, wait a minute. no one in your family is named John. You don't know anybody named John. This doesn't make any sense. Why would you name this kid John? Uh, uh, explain this to me. And uh, look at this part in verse 62. Then they made signs to the father to find out. They're looking at him going, is your wife lost her mind? She wants to name it. Shouldn't you, we're trying to, shouldn't you name it with a uh at the end? That's what everybody does. Zechariah, Nehemiah, Hebiah, Gehabiah, Gehabiah, something, Aya. how about just Johnabiah? I don't know. Put an Aya at the end of it. And they're looking at him, and look what happens. They made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child because apparently Elizabeth lost her mind. 
He asked now for a writing tablet, the Apple one, not that Samsung mess. Oh, I just split the crowd right there. All right. See where you were. See, see how you are. Now, he asked for a writing tablet, and then to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Isn't that good? And immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was set free. He said it's to be named John. See, again, like I said, names have meanings. John actually means God is gracious. That's what the name John means. Richard means powerful leader. Casey means nothing. It's okay. I'll live with that. So here's the deal. Here's what happens. In that joyous moment, in this incredible joyous moment, he held his son in his arms. He named him John. And he broke forth in song. Because, guys, when things happen good in your life, we sing. Are you hearing that? I want to say this again because I think we miss this sometimes. When things, I, I wish we did live like a musical. I really wish that we really did. You know, and just, I mean, when good things happen and when God does something good in your life, we should sing. Amen? We should build it from the rooftops. We should sing high. When God does something good in your life, when you've been in a place of despair, hurt, pain, and you know God has healed you, we should sing. That's what we should do. And I think we miss that sometimes. We should sing. And this right now, this is John's Benedictus. And a Benedictus means this, a song of thanksgiving. He was thankful. The lyrics to his song take us behind the scene into a heart of a godly man on the eve of the of the incarnation with God when God became man. This is what it takes us to. This is where we're at here. Each line is loaded with deep truth about an overwhelming reality. God has at last come. That's what this whole song is all about. Zechariah pours out from his heart with melody about the purpose and the meaning of God in flesh. That's where this song comes from. He wasn't singing and joyful that he had a child. He was singing and rejoiceful because why? Because the Messiah was coming. He's been waiting. Sure, he's been waiting to have a kid. That was a long over. But you know what he was really waiting on? He was waiting for the Messiah to come. He was waiting for the hero to come. As we read in verse 67, it tells us that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And only the Spirit could lead him to express this prophetic thoughts in this manner. And again, we can't understand this song without understanding Zechariah's story. That's an incredible story that he's got. The presence of the Holy Spirit also indicated the prophecy of Zechariah that when spoke, it was good as done. When it was spoke, it was good as done. That's where the Holy Spirit came in. Jesus came to redeem all of humanity, and the world has never been the same. Let me give you a couple things, and I'm going to close. He sings of saving purpose of Jesus. Zechariah scatters this song, a great theme of Jesus came to save throughout this entire song. That's the purpose. The great purpose of God was to save us. This is what Zechariah was waiting for. So good. 
Four things and I'm done. The price to free us is paid. This is what this song is all about. This is what I get from, what we get from this song here. The price to free us is paid. Look at verse 68. He was visited and provided redemption for his people. God has visited us. Are you hearing this? God has visited us. His care for us has moved him to draw near. And the reason he has come is to redeem us. The reason he has come is to forgive us. The reason that he has come is to, at a great cost, is to free us from the slavery of sin. And so we are to sing about that. A mighty Savior has come with power. This is what's so great about this song he started to sing. Uh, he says, a mighty Savior has come with power. Verse 69 says, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. And in the Bible, the horn of an animal is a symbol of strength. It is not a musical instrument. It is a horn, is a horn on an animal because when you mess with the bull, you get the, not necessarily people. I can walk by a cow. Look at this cow. What are you going to do? But I'm not walking next to a longhorn. You ever been walking next to a longhorn before? You're like, oh, hey, I don't want to, I'm not going to mess with these horns, right? Because the longhorns, where the longhorn people at? I figured I'd get more of them. Yeah, they are. All right. Mess with them longhorns. You get, you know, a second bid in some bowl or somewhere. I don't know. Um, whoa, so I'm just kidding. Back off. Okay. Here, don't miss this. A horn of an animal is a symbol of strength and power. It's sheer brute Power. And that's what he says here. He has, raised us, he has raised up a horn of salvation. And to say that God has raised a horn of salvation for us means that we have a mighty Savior who has the power to finish what he has started. That's where we are on this one. A power. Third one is this. There is victory over our enemies. There's victory. It says in verse 71, he has raised up salvation from our enemies and from the clutches of those who hate us. He also emphasizes this in verse 74. Zechariah focused on practical and spiritual here. God will deliver his people from any tyrant. Looks at this. More importantly, God will deliver us from the worst enemy, and that's sin, death, and hell. That's what he's rescuing us from. That's where this comes from. The heavenly hero will have no trouble conquering those enemies. Boy, I can sleep at night because of that. I can wake up in the morning because of that. Because he is going to conquer, and he's already conquered sin, death, and hell. So moved by the Spirit, Zechariah tells us what the meaning brings to those who trust to follow him. In 74, there will be spiritual transformation, he says. There will be emotional transformation to serve him without fear, it actually says. And there will be a behavioral transformation, the holiness and righteousness in his presence in all of the days. And the fourth one is this, his forgiveness is there for all of us. His forgiveness is there for all of us. To give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. In verse 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah is telling us that God did not visit the planet simply to see how we're doing, to check up on us, as I, like I said a moment ago. He knew how we're doing. That's why he came. I'm going to say that again. He did not just come to check on us. He knew how we were doing. That's why he came. Because we need him. 
We can't do it without him. We need his salvation. We need his forgiveness. We need his light in our life. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what this is all about. Zechariah Solo closes with his final burst of praise about the light that God is focusing on the world. The light of salvation. Salvation is spiritual and personal. Humans all have sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Sin is there in our lives. It's there. Salvation is because God is merciful to us. Verse 78, it talks about his, his mercy. It's God's mercy on his followers. Mercy is the only reason anyone's sin is forgiven. That mercy he has, that grace that he has to give us something that we do not deserve. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And salvation brings light. When salvation happens, it brings light. The people had come through a dark time. It's been 400 years since they've actually heard from God. It was called the dark period, the silent period. So 400 years go by and boom, now we have this, this statement from God saying, I'm here and this movement began to start, and this movement began to happen as a child is foretold, and the born in a few months, and then, of course, then a little bit later, his cousin is born, and the light comes to the world because Jesus is the light. Man, that's something we could sing about. Yeah. If y'all could turn their thing, their piano on, that'd be great. I close with this. Man, I, 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 I've never shared this. And I know for some of you, um, you've probably heard a lot of my stories and you said, hmm, they're all true. I, I, I joke a lot, I know. I, I, I whatever. But I'm I, I, not ever make up stories. I mean, it's, it's all real. But this one was so unreal, kind of like this story here, being so unreal. This story I'm going to share with you, I've never shared before in, in like a public setting because it's so unreal. Just like if one of you who are 88 in here came up to me and said, I'm pregnant. And I'd be like, mm, okay. And which I'm sure this happened to, Eliza, uh, 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 to Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're having a baby. Mm, have, you, have you looked in the mirror? So I share this because it's one of those unbelievable things that, and I think this is what we can get out of this today and what we can look in today because this is what he's saying, the coming of the Messiah, salvation is here. And when I was thinking about this story that I'm going to share with you in a moment, I was thinking through this story. And, and when you look at his lyrics and you look at what he's saying about this coming of the Messiah, and remember how it started? Hey, we heard your prayer and your wife is pregnant. And he went, I don't know. And he was mute. He got his sign. And then nine months later, when he finally, his tongue was loose, what did he do? His name is John, and he started singing. Most of you know the story of my father. Most of you know it was a tough time. I've shared already on how uh, that moment where he gave his life to the Lord and um, we went to visit him and got that moment with him and got that little kind of thing. It was nice. It was a, it was a good moment. 
It was different. It was new. Never met that guy before. We knew he was saved. A few days later, he dies. And of course, we have him cremated. And they take him off and they do the thing or whatever. And they were going to call me and tell me when they're going to bring him over to me. And, you know, and I was working at Hyde Park at the time. I was still teaching at this time. And I get the phone call from the guy from the mortuary or wherever the place is from. And they said, hey, we're here. We got your dad's ashes. Would you come down and get them? I said, sure. Emotional, different kind of feeling. I leave my class with a, with a teacher and I'd run downstairs. I got to the circle drive, is what we called it. And in the circle drive there, there was this big, you know, suburban, black suburban sitting there. And the man gets out and he's holding this green box and I, I, you know, I didn't know what package I purchased and so I didn't know, I thought I was expecting what you see on TV, like an urn, you know, like, you know, something cool, something flashy. Apparently we did not buy that package, we bought the box package, all right? So I asked him, I go, is it supposed to come in something? He goes, nah, you, you bought this. And so, but this is where it got weird. This is where you're going to go, what? The guy walks up to me. And he's holding it, and he goes out to hand it to me, and I'm reaching out to grab it because, again, this is weird. Put yourself in my shoes, man. That's my dad in this little box here. I just had this moment a few days ago when he died, and I'm reaching out to grab the box, and this man pulls it back. And I go, well, that was weird. Why did you just do that? He pulls the box back, and he holds it. Now look at his face. He's got this weird look on his face. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing right now? I'm already an emotional wreck, and I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. He goes, I go, this is not a drug deal. I don't, this is completely legal, all right? I'm standing in front of Hyde Park Church, man. We're, we're, we're good here. What are you doing? And he pulls it back, and I see in his eyes start to whelp up, and he goes, I've done this for 28 years. I go, I didn't know I got a history lesson when I'm getting my dad's ashes. He goes, I've ca uh, I, I have um, um, uh, done this for 28 years. He starts to tell me what temperatures they use. I'm like, I did not pay for this package either. He tells me how it's laid on its gird, the thing, and it rolls in, and how they do it. And he's telling me this process, and then he goes through this weird process of telling me when they come in, they, they take everything off, and they put them in. And he goes, he goes, your father came in, and he had this wooden cross around his neck. I said, yeah, he got saved a few days ago before he died, and they gave him that, and he was baptized in it. He said, we left it on him to, so we'd go into the ashes. I said, that's really cool. And he goes, no, there's more. Now I get a little wigged out. What do you mean there's more? He said, hold on, there's a little bit more here. And I see these tears rolling in his eyes. And I'm like going, this is spooky, man. This is weird. I'm having all these emotions here. He goes, we walked over and I walked over and I pulled a, the, the, I don't want to call it oven, whatever it's called, a thing. And he pulls out the deal and the ashes are sitting on there. And he looks at me, he says, that wooden cross was sitting on the top of the ashes. said, I've never seen this. It's impossible. He starts telling me everything that burns in this thing. He says, it's impossible. 
He goes, I don't know what to make of this. He said, so I stuck it in the box. Here you go. Gives me the box. And that's the last word he said. He jumped in his car and drove off. Now I'm standing there holding this box with that information. And I go, I start thinking, am I on a hidden camera show? Because this is really bad timing. This is not, this is not good. walk it to my car. I didn't want to bring it up, show the kids, hey guys, my dad. <laughs> Put it on my desk, you know. I take it to my car with this information. And I'm still going, did this guy mess with me? Because that's a horrible, horrible joke. I tell my wife, she says, huh? I said, you got to dig in there and find it. You see what kind of relationship we have. <laughs> I have that cross in my office, in my house. It was in there. A wooden cross. Here's your sign. Because you know, I was skeptical about my dad's salvation. A lot of abuse. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. I know I met a different guy. I don't know what it was. But in that moment, when she pulled that thing out and she handed it to me, it was that sign. It was that moment. It was that time I went right there. This man truly knew what this man was singing about right there. And he's in heaven now for eternity because he trusted Jesus. Sure, it was on his deathbed. It tells you right there, it don't matter how old you are or where you are, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe some of you in this room, you need a sign. Maybe some of you just need to hear his voice. Maybe some of you need to stop running and stop playing religion and stop. And you just need to say, okay, it's time for me to go all in and surrender and give your life to Jesus. Because that's what this Christmas season is all about. He sent a Savior to save us. Would you just close your eyes and be real still as I pray? Listen, I don't know where you are this morning. I really don't know why God led me to share that story for this time in this moment. But I believe that somebody needed to hear that story this morning. Somebody needed to hear this word this morning. And there's some of you in this room right now that you need salvation. You need Jesus. You need this incredible, changing power that comes through the horn of salvation. For some of you, maybe it's saying it's pride that stopped you from this. Maybe for some of you, it's been all kinds of different obstacles, just unbelief. Is he really God? Is he really who he says he is? Is he really the true Messiah? Is he really God? I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit would move in the hearts in this room that if you're here today, right now, and you've never crossed that line of salvation, maybe you've just been playing religion, you don't know him. 
Maybe you've just been playing games and playing whatever, and maybe this is the moment and this is the time where you need to surrender your life and give it all to Him. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth, but we have to believe with our heart. See, too many times people confess with their mouths and it doesn't go from their mouth to their heart. And it's just a confession that comes out and their life shows they don't know who Jesus is. It's got to go from the confession of the mouth to a transformation of the heart. That's what transforms us when our heart changes. When the Holy Spirit comes in, we go from a complete and total direction. doesn't make us perfect. We still sin and we still need forgiveness. But Jesus says, I'm going to walk through it with you. So I say that today and I say that with all heartfelt. If you don't know the Lord, I encourage you to make that step. I encourage you to not wait any longer. That the sign is here. He sang about it. Jesus, the Messiah, has come. He saved us. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, hey, that's me, man. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of this. I need right here, right now, Jesus to rescue me. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. This is not a magic prayer. This is not a, it is a prayer of you right here, right now saying, I need this Jesus that you're talking about. I'm ready to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord that he died for me, he was buried for me, and he showed that he was God by coming back from the death. And I know and I believe in my heart that he's going to come back for me. Maybe this is your moment right here to ask Jesus to step into your heart. No more playing games. Today's the day for you. And if that's you, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in my heart this morning that you are real. God, I believe this morning in my heart that you saved me, that you loved me. God, that you, I believe this morning in my heart that you sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my debt, my sin, and you gave your life for me. I believe that in my heart. I confess that with my mouth in this moment. So, Lord, come in, rescue me, save me. I'm tired of running. I need you to change me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, with nobody looking around, we're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to go have an incredible time at Black Party. But if just now in this moment, nobody's looking for me, and I, I just want to pray for you, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me? If you believe that God just became real to you, and he just saved you. All right, if you have your hands up, put them down. I'm not sure. Put them down. So I ask this as, as we pray. If you did pray that prayer today, man, come find me. Come find me out there, 
come find me down here as we sing and as we pray. Pastor Chuck is right over there. Some of you might have raised your hand. Pastor Chuck is over there. You go find him. We have that, begin that conversation of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give it all to you. We thank you for the fun that we can have today. But we, God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your incredible saving grace. God, we thank you for your mercy and salvation. We thank you that we have salvation. We thank you that we can confess with our hearts and believe with our mouths and believe in our hearts. And you save us. So, Lord, thank you for rescuing us. And, God, I pray for those in this room who did pray that prayer, and they truly meant it this morning, God. I pray that you will move in their heart to take the next step in baptism. So, Jesus, we give it all to you in this moment. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's begin to sing.